I am glad that you're here with us today. I want to start out asking you a question. Any of you get a gift for Christmas and you're not sure why? I mean, you just don't get it. What was the person thinking when they thought you needed it? You might not even know what it is that they gave you. And there you are, you're trying to act real cordial and thank them, but you just don't know what to say. Well, I've got the top five things you could say if it happens again next year. Number five, hey now, there's a gift you don't see every day. <laughs> Number four, oh, I love it, but I fear it will cause jealousy if I were to wear it in public. Number three, sadly, tomorrow I enter the witness protection program and I have to stay very inconspicuous. Number two, to think I got this and yet I vowed to give all of my gifts to charity this year. And then the number one thing to say is, and you can put the emphasis on whatever words you want, I really don't deserve this. <laughs> How about a show of hands? How many of you have returned a gift that you got this year? How many of you? Just a few of you, not too many, okay. Truth is, 28% of all gifts last year for Christmas were returned. $80 billion worth of gifts were returned back to the store. So after you spend a lot of time getting that perfect sweater for your brother or sister, listen, because that's probably their footsteps going to the store right now to exchange it for something else. Because clothing items were the number one return gift. Now, people go and exchange those gifts, but the reality in life is the fact that not all gifts are worth keeping, but boy, there's one that most definitely is worth keeping. After a couple of hours of trying to coax this magnificent moose out of John's property in Calgary, uh, they called in the wildlife officer and he shot it with a tranquilizer gun, but the moose darted off down the street and about seven or eight houses later, plopped down asleep in the front yard. And the news media came, they wanted an article about it, and they asked the lady of the house you know, what she thought about it. She goes, well, I was really surprised but not half as surprised as my husband's gonna be when he gets home, he's out moose hunting right now. <laughs> so what I want you to take out of that story is the fact that many times we're searching for something and it's right there under our nose all the time. And so after we return all those gifts that you don't want or that you don't need or they don't fit, we're gonna turn to that perfect gift, the one size fits all gift and it can only be found in the manger. Think about this for a minute. The God of creation humbled himself to come down and become a man. Do you ever ask yourself the question, why? Why would he do that? Simple answer, the word is love. God is love. There was a Vietnamese gentleman, his name was Dan, and uh, uh, he lived in Hanoi, and his brother and, her dad, and his dad were uh, opium addicts. And it turned out they both died of that, one in 1976 and the other in 1977. Now, the weird part about the story is both of them were doctors. They prescribed remedies to thousands of patients for what ailed them, but they had no cure for their own. Now, Dan was also a doctor, and he made it his goal to come up with a cure for opium addiction. And so he went to all the villagers and, and the guys who were making the opium, and he found out on a bad year, what do you substitute for it? So he could see if he could come up with some concoction that perhaps could help. Couldn't find anything, so he knew he had to be more drastic. So what he did is he addicted himself to opium so he could then experiment on himself to see if he could find a cure. 
Well, he went village to village and six months of torture. And finally, Dan found a concoction that helped him kick his addiction. And since then, thousands upon thousands have been treated with it. Now, I find the story interesting to me that a doctor would addict himself to a deadly drug so that he could experience the lifestyle of an addict so he could use that to find a cure for what ailed them that they were unable to find themselves. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Jesus did that for you. He left his heavenly realm. He came down and became a man. He walked among us. He experienced what we experienced because we had no cure for our sinful state. He took on the disease that we had, and he was able to have the cure, which was him on a cross. How's that for a perfect gift? Now, if you think about it, God didn't just sit up there and look down and say, oh, they've got some problems down there. He came down and experienced everything that you're experiencing as a man. He knows about relational pains, if you're having that right now. He knows about it because people cursed him and mocked him. He knows about financial pains you're going through because he was poor. He carried nothing with him as he walked the earth. He understands physical pains that perhaps you're going through right now. The ultimate, hanging on a cross, the pain that he went through. And he knows about emotional pain that you're going through because it says he wept. And he felt sorrow, and he felt disappointment. Jesus came to pay the price for us, to be one of us, and accomplish what we couldn't accomplish. Well, in our sermon series that we just finished, what we were doing is looking at the carols of Christmas. And we'd take all the songs and look at the words, and we'd be able to point in Advent to the birth of Jesus Christ and to his second coming someday as well. And next week, we're going to start a really cool sermon series. I hope you'll show up. It's called Balanced, and we're going to start that next week. Now, there's a situation, though, in between that on January 6th will be a day that we call Epiphany. So I thought, since we're not going to talk about it next week, I'd talk about it today and see what we can glean in our lives as well. So the first question you'd ask, Epiphany? What is Epiphany? Well, it's a Greek word. It means the appearance or the manifestation of. And what we're talking about here is Christ coming not just for the Jews, but coming for the Gentiles. That's good news, folks, because that's us. He came for us. And it's the account of these wise men coming to see the baby Jesus. And we observed that in the church year on January 6th. Now, the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany are sometimes called the 12 days of Christmas. Now, it's not about people bringing gifts to Jesus like turtle doves and partridges in a pear tree and French hens. But what it is about is God getting the attention of some very unlikely candidates, Gentiles. And he used something they would know about, something they were passionate about, to get their attention, to draw them to have an experience with Jesus, a star. And that was their GPS system. And they went on this long journey. Let me read in Matthew 2, 2 about that. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where's the one that was born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. God used a star, something that the Magi or wise men would know about, to get their attention. 
Now, magi uh, are probably astrologers. They were probably from Persia or maybe southern Arabia, kind of east of Palestine area. And they were skilled in many things, medicine, philosophy, natural sciences. They were probably soothsayers, uh, interpreters of dreams. But what we do see in the story is they were good men in search of the truth. In those days, pretty much everybody believed in astrology, that, that you could figure out the destiny of a man by the star he was born under. And the orders of the heaven changed, and they knew that something big was happening. They knew that someone important was being born. And so they set out on a journey to find that. Now, we don't know how many wise men there were. Original tradition said there were 12. And then since there's three gifts given, it kind of became three as a number. But it really doesn't impact the story, how many there were. But their titles changed as well. They were given names as time went by and the gifts that each one brought. For instance, uh, Malquar, he was pictured as a guy who was an old man, long gray beard, and he brought the gift of gold. And then Casper the ghost was there. Just teasing. Wrong story. Caspar, who was like one of the guys that came along, uh, he was a young beardless guy. And he would have been the one that brought the frankincense. And then Belsadar, swarthy guy, newly bearded, and he brought the gift of myrrh. Uh, actually, there were four original ones, but he wanted to bring a fruitcake, and no one would let him come along on the trip. I'm not trying to be too silly about all this, but none of this is going to lead to where we are, but it's a great foundation to the story of the wise men and what happened. And what was really important in the story is the fact that the magi, or wise men, they set out on a journey to find the newborn king, and they did it with diligence. Think about it for a minute. They used their intellectual gifts. They used their passions to lead them on a journey. They did their homework, so to speak. They saw this star in the east and a king coming to the land of Jacob. And, and so what did they do? They set out on a long journey dangerous journey to the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they went to the palace. I mean, where else would you go? Let's reread what I read a minute ago and see how this story unfolded. So read with me, please. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. So there they are. They're head off. They're not exactly sure where they're going. They're following this star, looking for the king of the Jews. And so they stop for directions at the gas station on the way. Probably not, right? But I want to ask you an important question. Did you ever do that? You're lost. You're not sure how to get to your destination. You stop at a gas station and you get some really bad information. You know, well, go this direction and turn on 12. Well, that's exactly what happened. They asked the wrong guy. They asked Herod for directions, and it infuriated him. As we read in verses 3 to 6, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with them. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for that is what is written, the prophet has written. 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So think about it. They set out on a journey. They've got scripture written 500 years earlier and a star as a GPS system. Well, the story continues in verse 9. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, obviously, it wasn't like in a movie where there's this little spotlight coming down, and, and yet it led them to the place. They went with diligence, and they also went with commitment. They dropped everything. They dropped their life, their career, everything they did to go take a long journey. Now, let's talk about you. Let's say you're going to go on a journey. Let's say you're going to go to the Super Bowl. What do you do? Do you just get in the car and go somewhere? You probably call to see if you can get tickets to the game. You probably go to Expedia.com and find out if there are airplane flights and what they'll cost and what time it would be. Hotels.com to make sure you have a place to stay in the neighborhood when you get there. Avis to go get a car so that you can drive around the town and find this football game that you're going to. Maybe you look on the Weather Channel. What kind of clothing should I wear? But not the wise men. They saw a star and they began a destination to a journey unknown, a dangerous one. They dropped everything with a simple star as a travel agent. Kind of reminds me of the Old Testament when they're wandering in the desert there. A pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire led them through, and the star now led the wise men. Now, it was more than a star. They knew Scripture. They knew what was written. They knew that in Numbers 24-7, it speaks of a star rising, to announce the arrival of a king. Let's read this together. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, I think most of you probably have a nativity set at home, a manger of some sort. Uh, and they're beautiful. They're nice to have out. Uh, I might challenge you to do what I do. I have one in my office and I have one in my front room at home. It stays up all year long. It's not just a bring it out, it looks nice for the neighbors when they come over. It's a reminder of how much God loves me. But think about yours for a minute. Is Mary and Joseph there? Probably. How about the baby Jesus? Hopefully he's in there somewhere. At our house I hide him on Christmas Eve and let the kids search for him, but uh, he's in there. Got some shepherds maybe there, hopefully some animals. How about the wise men? Do you have the wise men in yours? We have ours there kind of off to the side. But you know, contrary to the, to the scripture, that's not what happened. These magi did not visit Jesus as he was born that night in a manger. It says upon coming into the house, they were overjoyed. They came months later and they visited him at a house he was living in. But you know what's neat about the story? What happened when they met him? They bowed down. They were filled with joy. And they brought gifts. So their generosity that they traveled with, they thought in advance to bring gifts to be given to the newborn king. Odd gifts, if you look at them, to give to a baby, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But in verse 11, it says, On coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, they worshipped him, and then they opened their treasures. 
They presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gave him gifts. Side note, do you ever wonder if they wrapped those gifts? I mean, we would wrap it, right? Like Frosty the Snowman wrapping paper in a big bow. Women are sitting there going, well, of course you wrapped them. You have to wrap a gift. And the wise men are probably going, we're guys. We don't need to wrap a gift. Jesus is going to rip it open in a minute anyway. That's not important to the story, but you know what is? What was inside is what's important. The gifts were as special as the gifts that you pick for your kids or your parents at Christmas. Special gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. First of all, you couldn't approach a king without bringing a gift. And if you're going to bring him a gift, give him gold. Give him the king of the metals that you would give to this king who's a baby who has come to be the king of all mankind. He's not going to rule on a throne. He's going to rule from a cross. And so gold would be a great gift to give. And then frankincense. This is a gift that would be given to the priest. The priest would use it during temple worship, the sweet perfume that would burn during temple worship. Now, you have to understand that a priest is always the bridge builder, the one who would open the way between sinful man and God. And so that's exactly what the word priest means, bridge builder. And Jesus came to be the bridge builder between us, sinful man, and a holy God. And I love the story when he dies and the curtain gets torn in two. The curtain had prevented people from going into the Holy of Holies. And Jesus came to pay the price so that we can go directly to the Lord. And then the gift of myrrh. That's an odd gift. You use it to embalm bodies. Any of you buy that for your baby this year? Probably not. Probably none on a Santa list either. And yet, think about it for a minute. Jesus came to die. That's his purpose in life, was to live a sinless life so he could die. He was born to live and live to die. So the gifts make more sense when we think about the relationship with them and God. Gold for the king, frankincense for the priest, and myrrh for one who came to die. And those gifts foretold the story that Jesus is the true king. He's the perfect high priest, and he's the savior of mankind. And we'd sure have to imagine that that journey was life-changing for them. So let's summarize this story for a minute and see how it applies to us. In this short section, we see that they used the intellectual gifts, passage, and knowledge that they had. They studied the stars, and they knew something was up. They used their time. They stopped what they were doing, and they accomplished an opportunity for them to come close to Jesus and then they brought their resources out to be able to help the kingdom. So, great story, right? And then we see it end in a weird way. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And the story continues in a very bad way when Herod finds the news out. But they headed back exactly as they were directed by God. Now, we're going to move forward and, and go into the year 2020. 2020 vision, right? We want to make sure we're looking and heading where God wants us to head. $64,000 question is, where is that? What does God want to lead you to accomplish as you leave here today, but as you step in to this new uh, 2020? Well, 
I think it's not any different than other years. It's going to be a journey, and each of us are going to go on it. And the question you have to wrestle with personally is, what will your journey look like? Don't just sit back and go, well, whatever, helms along, okay. What does God want you personally to do in 2020? Are you even asking him that question? Are you even inviting him to lead you? Or are you just saying, well, you can come along if you want. I'll figure out where we're heading. Sometimes we do that, right? Envision a bicycle built for two, and you and Jesus are going to take a ride for the year 2020. Who's sitting where? Are you going, hey, Jesus, I'll steer. Just pedal, okay? You're strong. you got strong legs. You can pedal for me. Or are you doing the pedaling, and God is steering and directing you to accomplish whatever he has planned for you? And then where will your heart be this year? Will you take time to thank God for the countless blessings that he has given you and he will give you in the future? So I hope you walk out of here asking yourself if you're going to go on a journey with diligence, commitment, and generosity. You might say, oh, Dave, that sounds great. I don't know where to begin. Well, that's good because I do. What I want you to do when you get up tomorrow morning, I want you to start a new practice. Maybe you're already doing it. Start a practice of being able to connect with God every single day by reading the Bible. Now, maybe you just open the Bible and you read a chapter each day. Some people tell me they try it. They don't seem to understand it. Talk to me. I'll get you a great devotional where you can read a section of Scripture and then have it unpacked so it has an application in your life. But be in God's word, and then at the end of it, say a quick prayer and say, Lord, okay, now what? What do you want me to do? Because you want to follow God's lead for your life in 2020. You want to go where he's leading. And then finally, are you going to love? The ultimate love is God. You are a child of God. Does hereditarily any of that come through you with your words, your actions, the things you do to the people that are in your circle of influence? And then here's the hard one. Make this the year that you restore those broken relationships that are in your life. Probably every one of you have someone whose name or face just flashed by and you said, well, keep going, I don't want to think about them. God wants you to at least do your part to try to reconcile to offer a way to restore the relationship just as Jesus came to restore our relationship with God the Father. Lord, we thank you so much for the Christmas message, the message that you saw that we were messed up and you came down and you became one of us. You did everything that we've done except sin. So you understand our wrestling, our struggles, our hurts, our pains, our hang-ups, Lord, help us to lean on you to be able to make healthy choices in this new year that comes forward. Help us to follow you as the light. You are the star. You are the light of the world. Help us to follow and go where you'd have us go so that we can accomplish the things you would have us accomplish. We pray all this in your name, Lord. Amen.